Welcome to Before the Business, a podcast dedicated to telling the origin stories of entrepreneurs. My name is Craig Swiston. Today, we're pleased to introduce Christine Manning, founder of Manning Canning Kitchens in Toronto, Ontario. Christine was raised in a family where food and food preparation was a big part of everyday life. Her mother taught her to take seasonal ingredients at the peak of freshness and preserve them for later use without additives. With a bit of preparation, delicious, wholesome fruits and vegetables could be enjoyed year-round. Christine has never forgotten her humble beginnings. She rents her commercial kitchen facility to other early-stage food entrepreneurs who need the space, storage, and equipment to follow their inspiration. Please join me in welcoming Christine Manning. Hi, Christine. Thanks for joining us today. You're an interesting entrepreneur in that you have not just one, not two, but three actual businesses that you're running. Can you maybe give a brief description of each of those businesses and how they interconnect? Sure. So um, our corporate identity is Man and Canning Kitchens, Inc. And all three businesses fall underneath that. So Man and Canning makes uh, a line of uh, award-winning preserves and healthy beverages. And then we have Man and Canning Kitchens, which uh, is a rentable commercial kitchen space for other food entrepreneurs. And we recently just launched another line of CPG, which is called Crisoda, which is a cold fermented soda that we are literally um, just launching this week. So, Christine, is it fair to say that the original business was the preserves? Yes, that's correct. So we brought Manning Canning, which was a line of just preserves at the time to market. And very quickly, we discovered that one of our biggest challenges um, was going to be finding rentable commercial kitchen space where we could produce our products. And in speaking to other food producers at farmers markets and shows, we found out that we weren't the only person with that pain point. So we decided that opening up a rental, rentable commercial kitchen would probably be a really good business step for us and would also not only help us, but help the small food community in Toronto as a whole. What made you decide to become an entrepreneur and get into the food preserves business even in the first place? <laughs> so it's a, it's a bit of a long story, but it, it's a funny one. So my husband and I met, we were both working at the same digital marketing agency. And on the first day back from our honeymoon, we both got packaged out of our jobs which was a wonderful wedding gift. Um, <laughs> good thing, bad thing, who knows at the time, but it turned out to be a good thing. Um, so we both got packaged out and we'd also just moved um, kind of into the suburbs of Toronto and I had a large yard and we'd grown our first garden and we had way too much vegetables, too many vegetables to consume. So I started, I tapped into my Italian heritage and started um, preserving family recipes, giving it to friends and family. And as my husband likes to say, I don't sit still well. So um, based on the feedback that I received, I decided to try selling it at a farmer's market. And one thing just led to another. What was it that you were growing too much of in your garden? We had too many carrots, which won't surprise you. As uh, I've told you in the past, spicy pickled carrots are our bestseller. Um, cucumbers, green beans, all of those types of things that I had uh, lovely family recipes that we could use or adapt. So have you stayed true to those original family recipes? So we still have a couple of family recipes. The raspberry jam is my Nona and my mom's recipe all the way. Um, but things like the pickled green beans and the carrots are, are, have all been adapted. So obviously your business has outgrown your own garden. Where do you source your ingredients from? 
wherever possible, we're trying to use local inputs. A lot of our products are Foodland Ontario. Um, so some of the relationships started with farmers at the farmer's market. And in a lot of instances, we outgrew the farmers at the farmer's market because it didn't make sense for them to sell so much volume to one person when they could sell smaller volumes to multiple people that they met at the market. So we buy from the Toronto Food Terminal or direct from um, several farmers that we've developed relationships with over the years. How many different products are you making at the moment? Um, in the preserves, if you include our seasonal products, which we only make once a year and are available for limited periods of time, I'd say, I believe we have 12 different products. And what would the top sellers be? Um, spicy pickled carrots, our spicy tomato jam, and definitely our pickled green beans, but they are one of our seasonal products that typically sell out before the end of the year. Where can people get your products? We're available in a bunch of different specialty stores. The pantry on Girard Street is a, is a, has been a huge supporter of our business right from the beginning. Sanigan's Meat Locker, Cheese Boutique. Um, we're also available. Some, you can find some of our products in Metro and Sobeys in Ontario. We're part of the local program with both of those um, retailers. So there's a wide variety of locations that people can find most of our products. Of course, people can always go online to manningcanning.com. Christine, have you seen any food trends emerge that have changed your approach to the business over the last several years? We've for sure cycled through some products um, that while our consumers love them, like our Seville Orange Marmalade, we have diehard fans for that product, but we've had to discontinue it um, just because we're not able to produce it at the quality that we want to be able to make it at, at a price point that makes sense for today's retail environment. Let's switch and talk about drinks. Before we get to Crisoda, let's talk about the Shrub product. So Shrub, we launched about three years ago, um, and it is a concentrate. So you get about 16 servings out of a bottle. It goes great if you have a soda stream at home. Um, a lot of our consumers really like it for cocktails. Um, but we really got it. We really um, launched it more for people who are looking for an alcohol alternative. A lot of pops and, and other beverages out there are either high in sugar or very one note. They don't have a real complex flavor profile. So when you're drinking them, you don't feel like you're having an adult beverage. You, you know, you're having a pop. Whereas our shrub, because it's made with cold pressed um, fruit juice, but it also has organic apple cider vinegar, you're getting the sweet and sour at the same time. So it does have kind of that alcohol, alcoholic beverage replacement quality that uh, we were really looking to to have. So is shrub something you grew up with or is this something that you saw a demand in the marketplace and, and created? <laughs> uh, so I grew up in Alberta and like any Alberta girl of my generation, I read Little House on the Prairie. Um, and the actual first reference to a product similar to shrub was in a, a book, Little House on the Prairie. So <laughs> it, these products, shrub dates back, Switchel is a very similar product to shrub. They date back hundreds of years. And it was really just a way of preserving fruit. People were always looking for ways to preserve the things that they were growing on their farm to last throughout the entire season. And shrub is just really another form of, of preserving. Well, I grew up in Manitoba and I have not read Little House on the Prairie. So my first introduction to shrub was through you and, and your company. Going back to renting out the commercial kitchen to help other food entrepreneurs, you mentioned it came out of a need that you experienced yourself. 
Can you maybe describe a little bit how that part of your business has gone? In the beginning, it was really hard to find space. There weren't nothing like what we offer now really existed. So I started off renting restaurant space in off peak hours. But what I found there is, you know, they were filling space that they weren't using, but you weren't, I was not a priority for their business or for their revenue stream. So if they got a big catering gig or a wedding, I'd show up with bushels of produce to preserve and they'd say, sorry, Christine, you can't use the kitchen. We need it now, which left me, you know, really trying to figure out how I could do this in a sustainable way if I wanted to make this a business. So my first break came, um, I live out in Scarborough and there's a place called the Scarborough Storefront and they have a rentable commercial kitchen. I was able to work out of their kitchen one day a week for a period of, of six months as I built my business. There weren't a lot of spaces if you had to produce on a regular basis that were reliable um, and that you knew that, you know, you like what happened to me where I showed up with the bushel of preserves and had, had no kitchen space. How big is your commercial kitchen space today? Well, it started off at 2000 square feet. Um, but strangely enough, we decided to double that during COVID. So we're now at 4,000 square feet. How much of your 4,000 square feet is used for? other food entrepreneurs and how much of it is used for your own Manning Canning business? So we have four rentable spaces in our facility. Three of them we don't actually use for our production. So those are, you know, I would say 100% used for the support of other small food entrepreneurs. And then the space that we use um, for our production, we rent it when we're not in it. So it's, it's, a, it's a mix. What type of food entrepreneur would make a good fit for you and your commercial kitchen space? So we are currently only working with people who want long-term rentals. If you are catering for a wedding and you need the kitchen only one day, we're not the space for you. We're looking for people who have a, a business that they are trying to grow and need a, a space ongoing. So we have everything from prep meal companies, to bakers, to granola makers, to hot sauce makers, to bone broth makers, all of them are focusing on their business as a long-term growth, um, not just something that they do every now and then. So tell me the inspiration behind the third line of business you have, which is the Crisota. Um, Crisota is really a ready-to-drink version of our shrub. So we found that, you know, one-on-one -on -one, when you're at a market or show and have the opportunity to explain the product to a consumer and people get the chance to try it, we have a really high conversion rate. But as soon as you put a product like that on shelf, it's much more complicated to get it to move off shelf. The average North American consumer doesn't really understand concentrates like they might over in the UK where it's, it's part of kind of their more daily routine is working with the concentrate and customers were asking us, is there a way you could turn this into something that I could just grab and go? Um, if I don't want to take my water bottle with me, but I want to drink something that's good for my gut on an ongoing basis, how can I do that? So Crisota was really born out of, out of that need. Would you compare Crisota to things like kombucha? It would, it's a functional beverage, so it kind of falls within the lines of kombucha, but we call, we're classifying Crisota as more accessible wellness. A lot of consumers tell us that 
they like the idea of the gut health that kombucha provides, but maybe the palate is a little too much of a barrier to overcome for that gut health. So our flavor palettes are raspberry, pear ginger, rhubarb vanilla, um, but you're also getting that nice apple cider vinegar. So like I said, we're, we're calling it accessible wellness. So you've expanded the commercial kitchen. You've just launched the Crisota business. What are your plans for the regular business or what are your plans in general for the future? Um, well, the commercial kitchen business, we definitely, we think that at the 4,000 square feet, we're probably going to stay there for a while. So I like to work with the food entrepreneurs that come through the kitchen right at the beginning to make sure that they have a viable long-term business. Um, I see one of the biggest mistakes that new food entrepreneurs make is they spend all of their time focusing on the recipe and the taste of their product and not enough time on pricing and the branding of their product. On the preserve side, we are Ontario-based and we'd like to stay that way with, with the preserves. We like using local inputs um, and creating a high quality product and don't want to scale too quickly and not be able to maintain that. So Christine, if people want more information on the kitchen, on the preserves or on the Crisota product, how can they find you? Um, at Manning Canning on Instagram or at Drink Crisota on Instagram and TikTok. And Crisota is spelled? C-H-R-I-S-O-D-A. And what would you say to people who are curious about trying different, different products from small entrepreneurs such as yourself? Supporting small food business is important, not only for the small food businesses themselves, but also for local uh, agriculture. It's a, it's a bigger community than one thinks. I think the consumer has more buying power than they understand. And making conscious decisions of where they spend their dollars has a greater impact than I think the average person considers when they're filling their shopping cart. Well put. Thanks, Christine. Yeah, my pleasure. For the Business is a podcast that celebrates the origin stories of entrepreneurs like Christine Manning of Manning Canning Kitchens.